Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. The big game is here, and that means it's time for one of our favorite traditions here on the Take It Easy podcast, which color of Gatorade is going to dunk the winning head coach. There's a whole lore behind this prop bet. Last year, Blue was a huge underdog, and it cashed plus 500. Two of the last three years have been Blue, and Blue has only been the color of Gatorade one other year. Orange is the favorite once again at plus 200. Orange has gotten it three of the last nine years. Orange also went back-to-back with the Saints and the Packers championships between 2010 and 2011, followed by no color, which would be water, Blue at plus 400, yellow, lime, and green are slight underdogs at plus 600, red and pink are both plus 750. Red has never been used, probably because red stains your clothes more than the other colors. I think this is red's year. I'm putting in a plus 750 prop on red. This is finally the year. First time ever that red gets the Gatorade bath. Head over to Bet Online today and use our promo code BLEAVE, B-L-E-A-V, for a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up. Bet online, where the game starts. Oh yeah, everybody. It's time for the Memes of the Weekend podcast here on the Take It Easy podcast, here on the Believe podcast network happy super bowl week everybody happy monday back to once a week monday podcast and wired up kind of dying down so this is what the offseason schedule is going to kind of look like back to one podcast on mondays no wired up unless we have a really good topic so you know always keep those follows turned on wired up's like a little nugget of podcast here that might come out every sunday every now and then so make sure to subscribe and follow, and leave five-star reviews everywhere that you may be. Uh, We're going to talk about a couple head coaching hirings that I thought were really funny. Uh, The Dolphins one coming in last second. I'll have a little ad-lib there, but I do very much want to talk about Doug Peterson. The thing I wasn't going to talk about was the Pro Bowl, but then something happened that inspired me to talk about the Pro Bowl. So we'll, we'll rant about that again coming up here in a little bit. But first... We have an A Block here on the Memes of the Weekend podcast, and the A Block is the incredible, 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 incredible story that came out this weekend that four days before the NBA trade deadline, the Brooklyn Nets are willing to shop James Harden to the 76ers in a Ben Simmons and other stuff swap. It is being discussed prior to the trade deadline and do you know how crazy a basketball story has to be to hijack the first Monday of Super Bowl week because Super Bowl week ends up being this giant wagon and to be honest this year's Super Bowl is not as crazy as last year where we first of all we put way too much of our emotional stability into football last year because we were all going through the pandemic we all lacked social interaction we were all struggling especially here we were struggling a lot by putting way too much of our emotional stability into the podcast and what ended up coming out of it was a Mahomes versus Brady you know the two faces of the sport the kings of 15 years 
and the king of the next 20. And that was the storyline of that Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl didn't end up being as exciting as we thought it would. It's probably why I'm not doing the crazy Super Bowl week thing this time, because it's really not that big of a deal. So this time around, the Super Bowl ends up being second on Memes of the Weekend. And honestly, we don't have much on the Super Bowl for Memes of the Weekend, but it's second to this NBA story that's absolutely insane. Because the Brooklyn Nets got... James Harden by trading every single draft pick they have for the next 10 years, essentially. They gave up seven first-round picks to get James Harden. They also traded Chris LeVert, who just got traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers today because the Indiana Pacers bungled that situation that they had, um, not with you know Victor Oladipo and not signing him to extension and then flipping him for Chris LeVert, which actually turned out to be a pretty good move there, but the Pacers have finally stopped being fifth place in the Eastern Conference because they finally stopped adding ridiculously good players. So the Pacers traded Chris LeVert, but Chris LeVert was originally part of the James Harden trade. James Harden has now spent one calendar year with the Brooklyn Nets. And James Harden, at the time, publicly, I never looked at it this way, but publicly looked like he was destroying his reputation and good name in an effort to get to Brooklyn out of Houston. And Philadelphia ended up balking on trading Ben Simmons and other things to Houston for James Harden. And then Brooklyn ended up being the team he actually wanted to go to because he wanted to play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And Brooklyn had the best trade offer because they had all of their draft picks still at their disposal because Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant ended up coming to Brooklyn, and by the way, Golden State had to give up a first-round pick to Brooklyn in order to get, for the right to have Kevin Durant go away, and so, anyways, Golden State ended up giving Brooklyn a first-round pick, Brooklyn gave all their picks to Houston, and Brooklyn is staring down a scenario where after this season, they don't want Kyrie Irving back, reportedly, they're not going to offer Kyrie Irving a contract extension, Kyrie Irving could opt into his player option at the end of this year, and he'd still be there for another season. But they are looking down at the end of the Kyrie Irving time with Brooklyn. Presumably, they don't want that situation anymore, where Kyrie's essentially checkmated the organization, used every bit of leverage he has, and every bit of leverage Kevin Durant is offering to him in order to be a part-time player while remaining unvaccinated. And they made clear in the report by Sam Amick of The Athletic that James Harden is not bothered by the Kyrie Irving situation as much as it is James Harden wants to go play with Joel Embiid and hasn't found the same basketball fit he thought he would in Brooklyn, which is kind of insane, right? Because if that team is together, they are undoubtedly the best team in the NBA, but Kyrie Irving's been battling injuries, James Harden's been battling injuries, and now Kevin Durant is out of the lineup for four to six weeks for the Nets, and they've dropped seven games, or eight games in a row, I think, now, and they're, like, sixth in the Eastern Conference. Not that that means anything. Like, they win three games, they're back to third in the Eastern Conference. We know Brooklyn is good enough to win a championship because they have Kevin Durant. And last year, without James Harden or Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant was still almost good enough to win a championship single-handedly by himself. And so this is kind of the equation that Brooklyn is doing in their head is James Harden can leave this offseason. Now, he would have to turn down $48 million, and so everyone assumed they would get three playoff runs, 
with James Harden. But now the scenario is in play where James Harden's looking up and saying, one, I want to play with Philadelphia. Two, this is the, the classic Harrison Barnes conundrum where, or, or Gordon Hayward conundrum where this is my last chance to get a big contract possibly. And James Harden can also, I think, be the first $60 million a year player in the NBA. I'm not exactly sure how it works, but it's something like that where James Harden can get close to $60 million a year and... He wants to go play with Joel Embiid. And so this is where all of the math changes for the Brooklyn Nets is if we are good enough with just Kevin Durant, yes, it might make Kevin Durant's life harder, but if we can get healthy Kyrie Irving, which they didn't have in the Bucks series last year, so this would be the first time Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, which by the way, might be good enough alone to win a championship. If Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are together in the playoffs. Like throw the throw the whole vaccination situation away for the time being. This is this is more about James Harden than it is about Kyrie Irving. So I know bringing him up is important in this equation. Not going to do the full Kyrie Irving podcast. We did this back in December. We did it in November. We did it once I think in October. The James Harden part is interesting because they can look at Ben Simmons and say we are not great defensively. Ben Simmons immediately turns around our defensive outlook. And Ben Simmons can give us just enough offense to get by because their offense is not as dependent on Ben Simmons with him as the third option than it would be with Philadelphia where Ben Simmons is asked to be the second option and clogging the lane with Joel Embiid. And so they're saying that if James Harden's going to walk for nothing, do we compromise where we are now to get Ben Simmons in the first place? And in fairness, if James Harden wants to just up and sign with the Brooklyn Nets, they might, or I'm sorry, with the Philadelphia 76ers, they might have to do a sign and trade this offseason. It benefits someone to do it now more than it does to someone who's doing it in the offseason. I'm not sure who is the benefactor in this situation, which is why it's difficult to pinpoint why this rumor is coming up, but it's amazing how insane this possibility is. That one year after the Brooklyn experiment begins and James Harden tweaks his groin in the playoffs and has a game five where he played worse than if James Harden had not played at all. He was like 0 for 10 from the field. He had under 10 points and I think they still won that game even with that because that was the 49 point triple double from Kevin Durant. And so by single-handedly having Kevin Durant, they can win a championship the same way LeBron did it for like eight years. That's kind of the place that Kevin Durant resides in right now. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. It just means it can happen. And there's other pretty good teams in the Eastern Conference. I mean, shout out to Miami. They're better than I thought. Milwaukee's the best team in the conference. And Brooklyn's right there. Sorry, Bulls. Uh, not not going to happen. But the point there, and, and the 76ers are also a fascinating team if James Harden ends up on the 76ers, which is this classic conundrum. I don't think the trade is actually going to happen, but the idea that this is actually being floated around is super fascinating because Brooklyn is trying to do the risk-reward calculus on, yes, we've gone all in for a championship, and we spent three years being all in on a championship. You see the purgatory that the Clippers reside in right now. The Clippers have no cap space, Kawhi Leonard's not going to be available. Paul George looks like he's headed towards season-ending surgery. Reggie Jackson is their leading scorer. And by the way, they spent 
all of their remaining cap space to get Eric Bledsoe this offseason. They traded Rajon Rondo. They you know moved some space around, and now they trade Eric Bledsoe for Norman Powell. And it's like, okay, Reggie Jackson and Norman Powell and Terrence Mann are just happening with Ty Lue being, you know, I don't know why everyone knows Ty Lue is a good coach. I'm not 100% sure what makes Ty Lue a good coach and what doesn't. With that team, they're somehow in the playoffs at this point. You've seen the purgatory the Clippers reside in. That's the purgatory the Nets are staring down. It's the purgatory the Rockets ended up staring down when they made every all-in move they could, and Mike D'Antoni left, and James Harden left, and Russell Westbrook left, and now they're terrible. Like, two years, they've just been god-awful, and they're not going to have draft picks in the near future. Like, just terrible, terrible situation that the Rockets find themselves in, because that's where the baggage of going all-in all the time ends up paying dividends. The Lakers are going through this right now. The Warriors went through it for two seasons where they were terrible, and then last year ended up barely making the playoffs and losing. Now they've reset the entire team. They've given Wiggins enough time to play in the system. They've given uh, Jordan Poole enough time to play in the system, where now all of a sudden they're an amazing, great team, and Steph Curry being the foundational piece still makes them great. Brooklyn is staring that down and doing the calculation on, hey, what if we can make a soft landing of Ben Simmons? But the trade-off is... Does that compromise this year's championship run? The fact that they're considering it is incredibly fascinating because it suggests that this is what James Harden wants. Like, they're not floating this out there if James Harden doesn't want this because James Harden's camp would be shutting that shit down real quick. James Harden presumably wants to play with Joel Embiid the same way he wanted to play with Joel Embiid last year when he was getting traded from the Rockets. And it's so unbelievably funny to me that Brooklyn's looking at the soft landing spot of if we're going to lose Harden no matter what and you know it's leaking out that he's going to decline his player option and intends to sign with the Sixers after the season if we're going to lose him for nothing and head to the purgatory that the Clippers are in that Toronto went into after 2019 when they lost Kawhi Leonard where they made a, a trip to the second round and then they miss the playoffs, and they might miss the playoffs this year, but they're probably a play-in team led by, you know, the guys who were the fourth and fifth options on the championship team. It's Siakam, and it's Fan Fleet, who's now actually pretty good, and it's Scotty Barnes, you know, as a team that's fighting aggressively for seventh in the Eastern Conference. Instead of going into that purgatory, where your franchise is back in the place they were in 2015, Looking at Ben Simmons as a franchise-altering piece, by the way, while Kevin Durant is still there, like, Kevin Durant is still going to be there for the next five years, presumably. That's how long he's under contract. Maybe Kevin Durant decides that he wants to go somewhere else, and then he forces a trade. But Kevin Durant being the foundational piece and trying to maximize what they can, because they're not going to find better than James Harden. Maybe two years from now it'll look better because James Harden's value declines. They're evaluating this under the premise of his value is never going to be higher than getting a Ben Simmons. Because James Harden is not young at this point, and James Harden is still one of the seven best players in the NBA, eight best players in the NBA, can be second best player on the second best team. And 
James Harden, you know, there's different reports here that uh, James Harden is frustrated about having to be the guy because Kyrie Irving's not around, and this wasn't what he signed up for. James Harden's going to be 33 at the end of this year, and James Harden's value is only going to be so high for so long. We're seeing this with uh, Russell Westbrook, of course, but with LeBron James, his value to a team is only going to be so high for so long. James Harden used to be, yes, 100% best player on a championship team. He's not that player anymore. Part of it rule changes. Part of it, he's now exiting his prime. But that's the normal aging process for all basketball players. Like, James Harden is amazing. Amazing at basketball. He is one of the ten best players in the NBA. And when you're coming from a place where he was one of the four best players in the NBA, and in my opinion should have won three MVPs in four years, if you count 2019 when Giannis got it, you could totally make the argument for that one. 2017 when Russell Westbrook won it and then 2015 he finished top two behind Steph Curry like top two in the MVP voting four times in five years that's a hard bar to keep up for his entire career and now he's on a team where he's not that guy and he's not asked to be that guy but it's the same way Kevin Durant didn't win MVPs it doesn't make him not great it just makes him not as dominant a player on his team as he was with the Rockets And there's no shame to that situation. James Harden's still one of the 10 best players in the NBA, and Brooklyn gave up everything they had because James Harden wanted to play with that team. And they're staring down the idea of, he's going to leave for nothing, and that is going to doom us for the next four years in trying to build a winner around Kevin Durant because the asset cupboard is bare. This is the same argument I made about Giannis. The only thing that's different is that when you have Kevin Durant or when you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, your team is automatically good enough to win a championship just because you have those dudes in some part of their prime. Generational talents, best basketball players of the last 20 years. You know, when you're going down a list, it's LeBron James, it's Kevin Durant, it's Giannis, it's Steph Curry, it's Kobe Bryant. Like generational stars in their primes automatically become championship good just because they are on your team. And because of that, Brooklyn is looking at, yes, we might get 75 cents on the dollar. We might get 80 cents on the dollar for James Harden. But if James Harden wants to leave anyways, we are in a difficult position to make a move. It's why I don't think they're actually going to do it because I think they value the 100% of James Harden for this run more than they do the next two runs of Ben Simmons. But that's a difficult calculation to make. And they might end up making that calculation this offseason when James Harden wants to go to Philadelphia anyways and the Sixers need to clear cap space to make it happen. So they might end up with Ben Simmons now. It'll probably be in the offseason. But I find it so fascinating that the wheels are moving on this because we've gone a year in the NBA without having a generational star become available, without having a top 15 player switch teams. And this is something I've talked about is like for all the talk of player mobility and player movement and everyone trying to get to different places, all the good places are gone at this point. Like all of the good places to go have stars. The Clippers have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George under contract for the next five years. It's not going to look pretty, but if you want to play in Los Angeles, not much room for you. If you want to play in Los Angeles, Lakers roster has no assets and is kind of the construction of LeBron and Anthony Davis. 
So if you're Devin Booker, if you're Donovan Mitchell, if you're James Harden even, the good places that we consider the you know marquee franchises, they've all got people. And I know Boston will say, we don't have a generational star. Yes, you're right. Boston's also not a marquee franchise. Sorry, it's just not the case. Not in the last 40 years anyways. Uh, you guys are about the equivalent of Toronto, just with more winning seasons than Toronto. But then, Toronto's been above 500 like every single year for a decade. So you guys are kind of the same boat as Toronto uh, if you're a Boston Celtics fan. So yeah, you guys aren't really a marquee place. But anyways, I find it fascinating that James Harden, the wheels are in motion. And I find it so funny that after all of this, Ben Simmons is going to get traded for James Harden a year after we thought James Harden was set in stone. Damian Lillard's still in place, you know, this trade deadline, which, God, why did the NBA trade deadline have to be during Super Bowl week? God, why did they have to put the trade deadline during Super Bowl week this year? Just so frustrating. Um, as as it passes by, you're going to see uh, Ben Simmons end up going to be rewarded as and you know maybe as he should rewarded by getting to finally be the third best player on a team that has a generational star instead of a second best player where he's asked to be a focal point of an offense that already has an offensive big he can finally be the offensive big ball handling Kyrie Irving's essentially a shooting guard now he can be the primary ball handler play a big on offense and they're not going to be as good as if they had James Harden because James Harden offensively is way, I mean, not way more, is more valuable than Ben Simmons defensively. But long run, if you can get the chance to get get somewhat fair compensation for James Harden, the asset cupboard just becomes a little less bare. And altogether, it might be good enough to win a championship. If you can get one year of Harden and Durant and Kyrie healthy together, and you can get one year of Durant, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons to help you, you know, not do the strategy of we're going to score 135 points and our opponents are going to score 125, you know, and actually have a defensive team that stands a lick. Maybe it'll be good enough because, again, the foundation of having Kevin Durant makes them good enough to win a championship. They are undoubtedly better with James Harden tomorrow than they are with Ben Simmons playing on their team two years from now if James Harden's going to leave anyways they're better off having Ben Simmons than they are having well nobody and if Kyrie Irving's not going to come back then they'll you know recharge the asset cupboard and try again see how it works out for Brooklyn coming up here in the next well really six months because again trade deadline again why did they have to put the trade deadline in Super Bowl week it's just so obnoxious um, the trade deadline's going to pass. James Harden and Ben Simmons are still going to be on their respective teams. And this offseason, they'll probably be on different teams. And that's really interesting. And it's the thing that can make me talk about the NBA during Super Bowl week is generational star wants to move teams. That is something that can get me interested in the NBA, especially because the last generational star to switch teams was James Harden last year. And James Harden is another balance of power in the NBA that can shift who's going to win the championship back and forth and back and forth over to the Sixers as championship contenders, to the Nets as championship contenders. It's all really fascinating. 
and it can get me to talk about the NBA for 20 minutes during Super Bowl week. Did y'all know that the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field. He's a goat when it comes to investing. He invests in stocks and crypto and even art with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investing platform that lets you buy shares in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. And when that art sells, you get return on investments as high as 30%. If you want to get priority access with Masterworks today, go to masterworks.art slash believe. Masterworks.art slash believe to start investing in stocks and cryptocurrency and shares in artwork today. You can invest like the goat with Masterworks. See important disclosures at masterworks.com slash disclaimer. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let me be the first to welcome Doug Peterson back into all of our lives. Because Doug Peterson is the head coach of the miserable Jacksonville Jaguars. And yes, Doug Peterson did win a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. All it took was the greatest offensive line ever assembled in the history of football and a top five defense. But Doug Peterson did win a Super Bowl. And he got fired within three years of winning said Super Bowl. Doug Peterson being the head coach of the Jaguars is the most comedic punchline we have heard since Ben McAdoo getting to become the offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers. And honestly, I could find the funny in Mike McDaniel becoming the offense or the head coach of the Miami Dolphins because remember Mike McDaniel was the guy who Deadspin wrote that story about how he was assi- him getting interviews was the sign of, you know, the system working against black head coaches because white coaches who were coordinators for one year got to jump the line, except they didn't realize that Mike McDaniel is biracial, which he is fairly light skinned. He's biracial in the same way Blake Griffin is biracial. Wouldn't guess it looking at him, but he is biracial. And I would, I thought that story was so funny. The problem was, was that Clay Travis was also using it seriously to talk about how America is racist against white people and how everyone's just out to find a reason to be outraged. And when Clay Travis starts taking the fun away from it, I feel like I can't laugh at that story. It was very funny. Clay Travis ruined it. And this is fascinating from a number of levels for the Dolphins, because first of all, let's talk about the racial stuff. We can talk about the football stuff later, because who gives a shit about the Miami Dolphins? The racial stuff is fascinating because they hired the black guy that everyone thought is a white guy. And that, I think, is just perfect, perfect exclamation point on all of this. Jim Harbaugh might have been more perfect, but Jim Harbaugh was not walking into that situation. The lawsuit 
was a vengeance play by Brian Flores. And I don't know if Mike McDaniel's going to be an amazing head coach. Maybe the Dolphins luck into maybe one of the best head coaches in the NFL. One of those special Sean McVay, Mike Tomlin types who in their 30s emerge as a genius schematic and ends up changing the foundation of the franchise they work for. Or, you know, the more likely scenario is... Mike McDaniel gets fired in two years. But you know who's definitely going to get fired in two years? Doug Peterson. Why is Doug Peterson going to get fired within two years? Because Doug Peterson is inheriting that shitstorm of a franchise. That yes, has Trevor Lawrence, but that's the only thing that gives you any semblance of pause for hope if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, is that Trevor Lawrence miraculously turns into a special player despite the fact that the Jaguars have no talent, no path forward, and are coming off of an absolute catastrophe of a head coaching situation with Urban Meyer. And what makes it even goddamn funnier than Doug Peterson being the head coach is that the job was Byron Leftwich's, and Byron Leftwich... I mean, I don't know what's real and what's not here, because again, this could be another smear campaign against Byron Leftwich. There's been somewhat conflicting reporting, but Byron Leftwich had the job, refused to work with Trent Balky, wanted to put Adrian Wilson as general manager, coming over from the Cardinals, and the Jaguars kind of said, nah, we're going to ride with Balky. Even though the last week of the season, the fans showed up in clown outfits and mustaches, to protest Trent Baalke being the general manager of the shitty Jacksonville Jaguars. And they're still going to ride with Trent Baalke going forward. I know Rick Spielman might get the the executive position to make decisions, but Trent Baalke's going to get shown the respect and dignity of Shad Khan because this is a perpetually mediocre franchise if I have ever heard of one. The Jacksonville Jaguars have been run so poorly over the past 20 years and miraculously found themselves eight minutes away from winning a suit or making it to the Super Bowl against Doug Peterson's Eagles because the NFL can sometimes be stupid like that and the Jaguars dismantled the entire team in three years it took three years to get the number one pick after being eight minutes away from the Super Bowl they have only had a non-top 10 pick once in the last 11 years the Jaguars are an absolute dumpster fire. And hiring Doug Peterson makes it even funnier of a dumpster fire. Because yes, Trevor Lawrence might be special. If you had to pick one quarterback right now in the NFL who you had to say is not a special quarterback right now, is not one of those nine elite spectacular quarterbacks, but has a chance of becoming one of those quarterbacks... You would say Trevor Lawrence is probably the best bet. Now, some people might say Derek Carr, even in his 30s. Okay. But if you had to pick one presently in the NFL, you would pick Trevor Lawrence. And that might save Doug Peterson. But if the Eagles, I'm sorry, if the Jaguars, who might as well be called the Eagles at this point, because they are going to be an absolute tire fire as well, the Jaguars end up with Trevor Lawrence and nothing else built around him. Yes, they might get back James Robinson. Yes, they might get back Travis Etienne. Walter Mitchell believes that they've got a very good defense. I don't see it, whatever it might end up being for the Jaguars. The point is, Trevor Lawrence being special is the thing that's going to save Doug Peterson. But the fact that they couldn't do better than Doug Peterson suggests the state of that franchise. It also just suggests the state of how Doug Peterson is falling. Because think about this, that dude won a Super Bowl 
he won a Super Bowl three years ago. It's now four years ago, but three years he got fired by the Eagles. I thought Mike McCarthy having eight years was the longest anyone would get after winning a championship. Doug got three. And in fairness, the Eagles are going to be one of the weirdest champions of the last, you know, 15 years in the NFL because they they didn't really have a quarterback other than the Nick Foles, which is going to be, you know, dumb for the rest of time. And they didn't really have any names that stand out other than Nick Foles on the team because the team was built on offensive line and defensive line. And we don't remember those guys the same way because it's really hard to do the evaluations on that. It was the rare time that an offensive line was so good that it gave a quarterback enough time, regardless of who the quarterback was. Like it made Carson Wentz an MVP, it made Nick Foles a Super Bowl MVP. It was good enough to buy them the time to have four amazingly spectacular games, but with all the time in the world. And, you know, it's an underrated aspect of the offensive line where we don't understand that Trent Williams for a decade is the greatest offensive lineman in the NFL, and we just don't care because he plays for Washington. And that's going to be a weird champion, but it doesn't guarantee that winning a championship doesn't guarantee that Doug Peterson is a good coach. Consistently being better than expectations or better than what the paper, what the team suggests on paper gives us the idea that you might be a good coach. We don't know for sure, but you might be a good coach. The same thing's going to end up happening with Mike McDaniel, right? It gives us the idea that you're going to be a good coach but doesn't guarantee us that you're going to be a good coach. And what's so funny about that situation is Doug Peterson is going to fail, but it's going to be really funny. Like, it's hard to laugh at Byron Leftwich becoming the coach of the Jaguars. The only joke I have about him is that he was the offensive coordinator of the worst offense in the NFL in 2018. In 2021, he gets Tom Brady, and now he's fast-tracked to becoming a head coach. And it leads me to suggest that Byron Leftwich would not be able to solve the Jaguars situation without Trevor Lawrence overcoming that entire organization's plague. Might happen, might not, but the Jaguars are a pretty shitty place to build it from. Joe Burrow did it in Cincinnati, but at least Cincinnati had a reputation that it wasn't the worst place in the world to be. Cincinnati had made seven playoffs in 16 years. Like, the Bengals haven't been terrible over the last 20 years. The Jaguars have been godforsakenly terrible. Like one of those eight teams that is just perpetual mediocrity, perpetual mediocrity year after year after year of being absolute dog shit. And hiring Doug Peterson, who we know is just, you know, a dude. He's a very funny looking dude. He says funny things. Doug Peterson is just a dude. And it might work out. I'm pretty sure he's going to get fired in two years, but like with Man Campbell last year, it's going to be goddamn funny to watch it happen. Maybe not as funny as the Urban Meyer situation, but Doug Peterson's a damn good funny name to throw in after that because it's going to be two years. He's going to be out of there, and Trevor Lawrence is going to either like elevate them to the playoffs miraculously and keep him around for a third season, or the Jaguars are going to swallow that man's gifts and... 
you know, poop it out. I don't care what ends up happening with the Doug Peterson situation. It's just so funny that he's the head coach because all of these head coaching jobs were bad this offseason. Like, we'll talk about McDaniels and the Raiders in a bit because I find the McDaniels situation fascinating. If you want to hear me talk about it, I talked about it on the Slump Buster podcast, which you can find that with the link in this episode. I'd find that situation actually kind of interesting to talk about. This one I just find funny. The McDaniel situation I find funny because Miami's not going to get a quarterback. You hire Mike, like with that lawsuit, you hire Mike McDaniel. You're not going to get a quarterback. Tua's your guy. He's your plan C. You're going to be average. You're probably not going to make the playoffs unless your defense carries you to the playoffs. It's not going to work out great. Um, you're probably going to go down a little bit in the next couple years, but maybe, you know, maybe Tua and Waddle or one of them becomes miraculously special. Who knows? But that job wasn't good. Jaguars job wasn't good. Dayball wasn't good. Um, you know, the Giants job was terrible. The Broncos job was terrible. The Bears job was terrible. All of these jobs were terrible and they all went to white guys except the Dolphins job. All it took was a lawsuit and Jim Harbaugh backing out to make it happen. And Brian Dayball choosing the Giants over the Dolphins. Forgot. They Harbaugh was similarly to the Tua situation where we're finding out now Joe Burrow was their plan A, Tom Brady was their plan B, Tua was their plan C. And now with the head coaching hire this time around, the Miami Dolphins wanted Jim Harbaugh, second option was Brian Dayball, third option Mike McDaniel. So I'm guessing the Dolphins are just going to be the plan C organization. Dolphins are just everybody's plan C. Same situation, they had the number three pick in the draft. They traded back to 12, moved up. They couldn't get Kyle Pitts. They couldn't get Jamar Chase. Plan C, Jalen Waddell. Uh, The Dolphins are what we like to call Plan C. You know what? I'm going to save this. Plan C organization. The Miami Dolphins are Plan C. They have a Plan A. Doesn't work. Try a Plan B. Plan B tells them to pound sand, and then they're left with their Plan C. Tua was Plan C. Jalen Waddell was Plan C. Mike McDaniel was Plan C. Welcome to the Plan C Miami Dolphins, everybody. At least the Plan C Miami Dolphins do have a fun theme song, though. Tell me you haven't heard this before. You're sitting in your favorite restaurant, coffee shop. Maybe you're sitting in an airport because your flight's been delayed for an extra hour and a half. You want to use your phone and you want to use your computer, but you're afraid of that public Wi-Fi because you've heard all the stories. Maybe it's happened to you where your data gets hacked, your information's out there on the dark web. It's it's scary. It happened to me uh, last year, actually. If you want to protect yourself nowadays, it's really important that you get security. And NordVPN has a deal for you today. If you go to nordvpn.com slash believe and use our code 
B-L-E-A-V, you can get 70% off a protection plan with NordVPN for two years with an additional month for free. With a 30-day money-back guaranteed, you are also risk-free if you don't want the service. Sign up today at nordvpn.com slash believe. All right, real quick before we finish up here today, I got to do some soapbox about the Pro Bowl. I wanted to just ignore the Pro Bowl. We did an Impeach the Pro Bowl podcast back in 2020. It wasn't very good. It was our first year of doing the podcast, but it was just me laying out my feelings and opinions about the Pro Bowl. Did anyone miss the Pro Bowl last year, by the way? They just up and canceled the game last year. Nobody missed the Pro Bowl last year. Nobody gives a shit about the Pro Bowl. This is the thing I've complained about. Like, And, and by the way, people have, have pointed back like all the time. What are the ways to fix the Pro Bowl? How can we make the Pro Bowl more exciting? You don't. You don't. The Pro Bowl is made for television, and the NFL gets a lot of money for it because during the, the it's the reason they push the Super Bowl back is so they can have that one weekend to create a made-for-television event they can sell for a lot of money to their television partners. It's not good. It's not fun. And now everyone realizes it's not fun and kind of a sham because, you know, it's fake football and it's hard to play fake football because football requires so much of people's physical being. It's like the the argument around preseason games where preseason games should be second and third stringers only because the preseason is about figuring out who makes it within the margins and not people who are going to be the 100% stars of the team. The thing that's interesting about the Pro Bowl in this respect is the Pro Bowl has so many people opt out because, of course, Tom Brady's not going to play in the Pro Bowl. Aaron Rodgers is not going to play in the Pro Bowl. The NBA has fixed this problem by saying that um, you are contractually obligated to play unless you can deem like real medical necessity on the injury. The NBA is very strict about the type of injuries that deem you not well enough to play in the All-Star game because the NBA needs its stars to play in the All-Star game desperately to sell that contract. And so the Pro Bowl doesn't necessarily need that because people will pay for football anyways. The solution is to just not play the Pro Bowl. You can name the Pro Bowl teams if you want, like I think they did that last year. The solution is just don't play the game. Just do the event. Don't play the game. Um, I know th- It's not going to happen because it's the television contract, but people are like, what's your alternative to the Pro Bowl? No alternative. Just don't play the game. And I'm just not going to watch the game. Um, I was not going to talk about it at all. I was going to let it pass because when the Pro Bowl got uh, canceled last year from the pandemic, that should have been the sign that we don't need the Pro Bowl anymore. Just don't need the Pro Bowl anymore. Now, it's going to always be there because it's a television event and the NFL gets a lot of money from it and ESPN can sell sponsorships. But this is the third year we've done the podcast, okay? The first year we did the podcast, Kobe Bryant died the day of the Pro Bowl. And so the entire Pro Bowl just became a conversation about Kobe Bryant. Last year got canceled straight up because of the pandemic. This year, you could have told me it didn't exist. I opened Twitter for like two minutes and saw everyone was upset about people not tackling But it's the wrong conversation because who gives a shit if people are tackling or not? I don't really know what people were outraged about there. I saw Shannon Sharp tweet being upset that there was no tackling. And J.J. Watt said something about the effort level, which J.J. Watt, more of a man than me, but also corporate J.J., 
don't want to hear from corporate JJ on that issue because JJ Watt is all about effort and hard work and great white American values. And don't want to hear from J.J. Watt on that one. It's a little propaganda-y. But anyways, I wasn't going to talk about this at all until I saw right before the game that Mac fucking Jones was in the Pro Bowl. And this would be something that normally, like, all the Pro Bowl activities I can walk away from. I saw that also Mac Jones was throwing passes to Hunter Renfro during the Pro Bowl skills competition. I'm like, oh, they're just the dudes who said yes. Like, yeah, Russell Wilson was there too. But, like, those are just the guys that said yes to the Pro Bowl. Whatever. Mac Jones is a goddamn Pro Bowler means that, I mean, it was already bad enough that Mitchell Trubisky was a Pro Bowler back in 2018, but you could at least make an argument for that one. Mac frickin' Jones being a Pro Bowler was just mind-numbingly painful that Mac Jones is playing in the Pro Bowl. I don't even know who the AFC quarterbacks were. I heard Mahomes played for the first time in the Pro Bowl, whatever. Um, I'm sure Josh Allen might have been there. Lamar would have been an injury designation. Burroughs in the Super Bowl. Herbert maybe was there. Like, I don't know how they, how many people did they have to call to get to Mac Jones? Did they call Mac Jones before Tannehill, who made the Pro Bowl in 2020? Uh, Did they call, who did they call before they got to McCorkle? Like, Mac Jones was like the ninth best quarterback in the AFC, and the alternatives below him are like Davis Mills, Baker Mayfield, Trevor Lawrence. Did Carson, did they call Carson? They should have called Carson before Mac Jones. If they didn't call Carson before Mac Jones, that was stupid. Derek Carr, did they call Derek Carr before going to McCorkle? Like, Mac Jones, now that I'm saying it out loud, like, no, Mac Jones was like the 11th best quarterback in the AFC this year. How the fuck did Mac Jones end up in the goddamn Pro Bowl? (laughs) That was just, I mean, I just want to laugh at that. That's the only thing... Did not watch a second of the Pro Bowl. Don't know what the final score was. Don't know who did what. Um, I heard Mahomes played in the game. I heard Russell Wilson played in the game. That's all. And I saw a video of Mac Jones throwing passes to Hunter Renfro at the skills competition. And I saw Mac Jones warming up before on the NFL's Twitter account. It's all I know about the Pro Bowl. No idea what the score was. No idea what happened. Oh, and some. And Shannon Sharp was complaining about tackling. Like, and J.J. Watt was complaining about tackling. That's the only thing I know about the Pro Bowl. And I just want to laugh at Mac Jones being a goddamn Pro Bowl. Because think about it. They had to have called Herbert, and he said no. If if we know Mahomes played, they had to have called Herbert, and he, you know, he backed out. They had to call Derek Carr. He backed out. Josh Allen, he would have had to back out. We know Lamar backed out because of injury designation. So Lamar definitely wasn't there. They should have called Carson Wentz before they called Mac Jones. Uh, They wouldn't have called Tua. They wouldn't have called Zach Wilson. They wouldn't have called Trevor Lawrence. They wouldn't have called Davis Mills. They wouldn't have called Baker. So yeah, Mac Jones was the 10th option. If the 10th best quarterback in the AFC is in the Pro Bowl, you are underlying the exact point why I don't give a shit about the Pro Bowl. And yeah, this is going to be haterism on the Pro Bowl. It's fucking stupid. (laughs) I'm never going to watch the Pro Bowl ever again in my life. 
I, I'll watch the NBA All-Star game because the NBA All-Star game is fun. MLB's All-Star game is really fun. MLB has figured it out. You get everyone from every single team in the All-Star game. It looks like the actual product that you're watching. Baseball's got the... I saw also hockey did their All-Star game this weekend. They were like shooting passes on the Bellagio Fountain. Like hockey's doing shit with their All-Star game. They're making a three-on-three tournament. They're shooting pucks at the Bellagio. And oh, it was so cool. Those video, I mean, I didn't watch it, so sorry, NHL. I'm not paying your corporate sponsorship, but it looked so cool. I'm like, way to be creative, hockey. At least put some creativity into it. The NFL, by the way, I'm not even docking the NFL for not being creative. There's just no way to improve the Pro Bowl. It just should not exist as a concept. The Pro Bowl is just not good. Last two years kind of proved that no one misses it. They just put it on because they, they can get $50 million from ESPN. ESPN, stop paying for the Pro Bowl. Like, that's, that's one thing that you don't need to... Why do you do it every year? Why do you always pay for the pro... I know you need content. I know it's football. Just, we don't need it. You can even make the Super Bowl two weeks later. Like, we just... We don't, we don't need it. We don't need it. Nobody needs the Pro Bowl. Nobody needs to watch Mac Jones. Nobody should have should be forced to watch more Mac Jones under any circumstance. God, this is so stupid. Anyways, thank you for stopping into the Memes of the Weekend podcast here on the Take It Easy podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you stopping in here. We're going to have a fantastic week of shows here. We're going to have all of our friends come in to talk about the Super Bowl. Hopefully we talk more about Brian Flores, but that hijacks the entire Super Bowl week. I hope that that hijacks not just the week in between the Super Bowl, but also hijacks Super Bowl week somehow. But sometimes we can go week to week with these things. So we'll see how it ends up working out. Um, We're going to be part of the propaganda machine for the NFL here, and I'm okay with that. So thanks for stopping in. Check out our sponsors, support our sponsors as well. Uh, And with that being said, I love each and every one of you. Thank you for helping to support our dreams here on the Take It Easy podcast and just dreams as a podcaster in general. Take it easy, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. You guys know what that means. It's time to talk about Sheets and Giggles. Yes, Sheets and Giggles. It's a great name for a company. Sheets and Giggles makes 100% eucalyptus bed sheet sets, duvet covers, comforters, and throw blankets. They will make you fall in love with sleep. Eucalyptus is a miracle fabric that is super soft, temperature balancing, hypoallergenic, and static free. You will wake up feeling more alive than ever before. Trust me. Go to sheetsandgiggles.com today and get the rest that you so richly deserve. Use our promo code TAKEITEASY for a 10% discount on your purchase at sheetsandgiggles.com. That's sheetsandgiggles.com.